Hey there, Ralph. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. You know, Jim, last week we talked about uh, social anxiety, and generally speaking, social anxiety is part of uh, a whole continuum of anxiety disorders. But today we're going to talk about perhaps the most serious of the anxiety disorders, and that is panic attacks. Okay, panic attacks. Now, we're starting by um, using some quotes from people who have experienced panic attacks in their life. Do you want to go first with a quote? Well, I will because I've got a quote here from Seneca. Now, we've often mentioned uh, the uh, Stoic philosophers, and Seneca said, We often suffer more in imagination than in reality. Okay, so that's... That's uh, Stoic Seneca right there for you. Here's another one. Uh, no amount of trying to explain myself uh, is, uh, does any good. I, can't, I don't even know what's going on inside me, so how can I explain it to others? Yeah. So, you know, another way of saying that uh, is this is one of the most frustrating things about having an anxiety disorder knowing as you're freaking out that there's no reason to be freaked out but lacking the ability to shut the emotion down. Yeah. Now here's one from a young woman. It's a little bit longer one. Um, but it shows the, uh, the paradox between what would seem like a life going okay and what the individual is you know, experiencing. The sky was so blue I couldn't look at it because it made me sad. Um, tears welled up in my eyes and they dripped quietly to the floor. I got on with my day. I tried to keep my focus, ticked off the to-do list, did my chores, packed orders, wrote emails, paid bills, rewrote stories, but the panic kept growing, exploding in my chest. And I'm going to talk about that one a little bit later. Um, tears falling on the desk. Tick, tick, tick. Me not making a sound. Some days I just don't know what my uh, uh, what uh, uh, my experience is. Uh, the words "calm down" uh, almost inevitably have the opposite effect on the person that you're speaking to. Yeah, and you know, again, another way of of saying that is. Panic attacks are a lot like being drunk in some ways. You lose self-control. You cry for seeming no reason. You deal with the hangover the next day. And we can talk about uh, dealing with the hangover and what you do at the end or during a panic attack later on. Yeah, okay, here's here's another one. It's uh, my last one. and. Uh, what we did, Ralph, was we went into uh, just you know, uh, Google and put in uh, uh, quotes about panic attacks, so our listeners can go and find, you know, a few hundred quotes if they if they want. What we tried to do is pick out the ones that are kind of most representative of what we think uh, of when we uh, uh, think of a panic attack. That's kind of interesting. Panic attacks aren't that frequent, but about a third of the population is going to have one at some point in time in their life. And some people have many more than one. Yeah, multiples. multiples. Uh, 
Sometimes with years between them, sometimes with only days. Yeah. Okay, here's, here's the last one. And this is about anxiety. People with anxiety don't have a train of thought. They have seven trains on four tracks that narrowly avoid each other uh, 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 when their paths cross, and all of the conductors are screaming. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that, that's a, a good visual for thinking of how, how your brain is working, particularly um, in, in a panic attack. Um, and part of the insidious nature of them is that they often begin suddenly without warning, uh, you can be driving a car at the mall, sound asleep, or in the middle of a business meeting. Um, you may have one, they may occur frequently, um, and usually the symptoms peak within uh, minutes. Yeah, right, but they're, uh, they peak, but they're pretty profound within those few minutes. Yeah, now let's run down a list maybe of symptoms and our, our listeners can see whether they've uh, had moments when they they thought of that. Now, I'm making the assumption here that there's nothing going on in your life. You're not being chased by a bear or uh, doing whitewater rafting or something like that. But suddenly you have a sense of impending doom or danger. You fear loss of control or death. You have a pounding heart rate, you're sweating, you're trembling or shaking. Your head could be aching. You have chills, hot flashes, nausea, chest pain. Sounds uh, terrible, isn't it? Yeah, numbness or tingling sensation in your fingers and toes. And a feeling of unreality or detachment. Now, last week when we talked about social anxiety, we went through a list of similar uh, symptoms but with panic attacks, they tend to be greatly exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, when we say exaggerated, we mean that they're uh, amplified, you know, like beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're going to do something a little different here today, Ralph. We're going to have a, uh, um, a guest speaker with us. Okay. Now, I talked to uh, Jim down in the hall, and I asked him if uh, he'd come in and talk about panic attacks, because he knows some things about them, being a health psychologist. He said, no, his wife was going to be uh, out of town, and he was taking care of the, uh, the three kids. And uh, he said, uh, yeah. I said, well, well, we can do this on the phone. And he said, no, that, he'd probably have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, that, uh, that might be it, taking care of three kids on, uh, by yourself. That, that could be enough to cause a panic attack on its own. So what we did was we went to YouTube, where they have Creative Commons, which is material that can be used. And we got the uh, um, uh, Ted Ed talk on panic attacks. And we have a, a lady, uh, Aronson, I think is her name, who is going to be joining us, at least, uh, I guess, virtually. Right, Ralph? Right. This, it's a whole universe of virtuality these days. And uh, she's going to be talking about panic attacks. Okay? Okay, sounds good. So, we get our sound going here. A sensation so overwhelming, many people mistake it for a heart attack, stroke, or other life-threatening crisis. Though panic attacks don't cause long-term physical harm, 
Afterwards, the fear of another attack can limit someone's daily life and cause more panic attacks. Studies suggest that almost a third of us will experience at least one panic attack in our lives. And whether it's your first, your hundredth, or you're witnessing someone else go through one, no one wants to repeat the experience. Even learning about them can be uncomfortable, but it's necessary because the first step to preventing panic attacks is understanding them. At its core, a panic attack is an overreaction to the body's normal physiological response to the perception of danger. At its core, a panic attack is an overreaction to the body's normal physiological response to the perception of danger. This response starts with the amygdala, the brain region involved in processing fear. When the amygdala perceives danger, it stimulates the sympathetic nervous system, which triggers the release of adrenaline. Adrenaline prompts an increase in the heart and breathing rate to get blood and oxygen to the muscles of the arms and legs. This also sends oxygen to the brain, making it more alert and responsive. During a panic attack, this response is exaggerated well past what would be useful in a dangerous situation, causing a racing heart, heavy breathing, or hyperventilation. The changes to blood flow cause lightheadedness and numbness in the hands and feet. A panic attack usually peaks within 10 minutes. Then, the prefrontal cortex takes over from the amygdala and stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. This triggers the release of a hormone called acetylcholine that decreases the heart rate and gradually winds down the panic attack. In a panic attack, the body's perception of danger is enough to trigger the response we would have to a real threat, and then some. We don't know for sure why this happens, but sometimes cues in the environment that remind us of traumatic past experience can trigger a panic attack. Well, yeah, things that have happened in the past. You know, we've talked about post-traumatic stress disorders before, but sometimes nothing seems to be a trigger. Well, here's an example, Jim, that I uh, can give you from a, a friend of ours who had a panic attack a week ago today. Uh, he was for many years a professional chef, and we had asked him to uh, help us by making one of his signature dishes for a party we were having. He was in the kitchen cooking, and part of the reason that he left uh, his job as a professional chef was that he tended to get panic attacks as he was cooking. Panic attacks while cooking? While cooking. I can see panic attacks while eating somebody else's cooking, perhaps, <laughs> but okay. Well, you know, the as she said, it's it's... Nothing necessarily to do with real danger. It's your head makes it up. Well, what happened to your friend? Well, he basically finished uh, to the 90% level what he was making uh, and went home. Huh. Uh, now, there was no real danger. There should have been no perceived danger. But all of a sudden, he was back in the day when he was chefing in a in a kitchen and uh, you know something went wrong it wasn't a case of uh, simply the flan has fallen oh dear it was you know you got a big reading out and uh, the uh, the head chef told you you were going to be fired oh okay so 
But that wasn't was not happening at your house, right? No, no. Okay, and, so and so all of a sudden, but the situation was remembered. I suppose was remembered, and that brought back, you know, the PTSD type mm -hmm. uh, anxiety. I have another one for you. Just the other day, uh, a person came into the office and uh, indicated that uh, they had had a small panic attack um, a few days before, actually on Sunday, after church. And uh, uh, they were on their way over to the uh, fellowship hall for coffee and donuts. And uh, this person had pounding head, um, uh, prickly uh, uh, feelings all over his body and all over the inside of his body. Legs weren't working. Uh, going on in the head. And then he started to cry. Now, the, the trigger here might be the fact that for about the last 16 months or so, this person has been pretty much in isolation, only with you know, family members to interact with, and this was the first time that he was going to be interacting with a group of people. Now, he doesn't like to do this anyway, so yeah. he's got a, a, a social anxiety going on. But all of a sudden, I think he felt like he was going to have to perform. Perform, yeah. And, and this, uh, you know, took him literally, you know, over the so, edge. And, it, and again, it lasted just for a few minutes, but it was extremely uh, uh, debilitating during that you know, period of, uh, of time. And he said that this was a small uh, panic attack. You know, I've been working with him for, well, since March or so. And this is the first one he's, uh, he's had, but he has told me in the past he has had some really pretty profound ones of the type that she's talking about and the type that you've been talking about. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Jim, because when we, we talk about these kind of things, uh, uh, we don't know really what causes panic attacks. There seems to be a genetic component uh, in panic attacks, they tend to run in families. Some people react to uh, major stress, even major stress from the past, to have a panic attack. Uh, maybe uh, temperament uh, that's more prone to negative emotions. And maybe, in fact, it's uh, biochemical and, and certain changes in the way part of the brain functions uh, influence some people to be more susceptible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, like you say, we really uh, don't have a, a, a good handle on on what the cause is. We know the cause isn't isn't weakness. You know, no. um, it's been said that uh, uh, if uh, if you're living with a, a, a anxiety and panic. Uh, uh, you're, it, it takes more strength to do that than uh, uh, most of us will ever uh, uh, realize. Yeah. Most of us will ever know. Now, one of the things, Jim, that, that I don't know the answer to, and uh, when I asked you before we started uh, recording, uh, you didn't have a good handle on it, but we talked about the, um, the panic attack as an exaggerated flight or fight response. Right. And so far, we don't have any uh, anything in the literature 
talking about an exaggerated fight response. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, uh, maybe we can uh, ask our, our listeners to, uh, uh, who've had some experience in, with this to you know, chime in and let us know. But yeah, it seems to be a flight response as opposed to a fight response. Yeah. Good, good point there, Ralph. Well, shall we go back to Aronson uh, um, and let her uh, talk a little bit more? I think yeah. she's, she's going to be talking about some, uh, um, uh, not necessarily prevention, but some, some treatment possibilities. In just yeah, I think that would be a good thing to hear. Panic attacks can be part of anxiety disorders like PTSD, social anxiety disorder, OCD, and generalized anxiety disorder. Recurring panic attacks, frequent worry about new attacks, and behavioral changes to avoid panic attacks can lead to a diagnosis of a panic disorder. The two main treatments for panic disorder are antidepressant medication and cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. Both have about a 40% response rate, though someone who responds to one may not respond to the other. However, antidepressant medications carry some side effects, and 50% of people relapse when they stop taking them. So a 40% uh, success rate is kind of low, and that, I think, uh, points up the fact that we really don't know, you know what's going on. Um, the types of... Uh, uh, drug treatments that uh, are out there tend to be sedative treatments um, and I think some people with anxiety disorders probably self-medicate with uh, sedative uh, uh, compounds such as you know alcohol. Uh, you told the story of a person that you knew who uh, was given uh, a prescription of, uh, for what a, a three-month prescription for, for phenobarbital yeah which Unfortunately, he ended up using in about two or three days, not not you know ninety days. So it made him, I guess, pretty mellow during those ninety those two or three days. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't think you can do that forever. No, uh, you certainly can't. And uh, I think the uh, the other forty percent of successful treatment is from cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, I think the relapse rate is maybe a little better. Yes, indeed it is. CBT, meanwhile, is more lasting with only a 20% relapse rate. The goal of CBT treatment for panic disorder is to help people learn and practice concrete tools to exert physical and in turn mental control over the sensations and thoughts associated with a panic attack. CBT begins with an explanation of the physiological causes of a panic attack, followed by breath and muscle exercises designed to help people consciously control breathing patterns. Next comes cognitive restructuring, which involves identifying and changing the thoughts that are common during attacks, such as believing you'll stop breathing, have a heart attack or die, and replacing them with more accurate thoughts. The next stage of treatment is exposure to the bodily sensations and situations that typically trigger a panic attack. The goal is to change the belief through experience that these sensations and situations are dangerous. Even after CBT, taking these steps isn't easy in the grip of an attack, but with practice, these tools can both prevent and de-escalate attacks 
and ultimately reduce the hold of panic on a person's life. Outside formal therapy, many panickers find relief from the same beliefs CBT aims to instill, that fear can't hurt you, but holding onto it will escalate panic. Even if you've never had a panic attack, understanding them will help you identify one in yourself or someone else, and recognizing them is the first step in preventing them. Well, yeah, I hope that we've uh, helped people to recognize some of the uh, uh, very complex uh, issues involved with panic attacks. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're not uncommon, uh, although a lot of us perhaps have never seen or had a panic attack. And one of the things, Jim, that, that we, uh, we might want to kind of emphasize for our listeners is that Learning how to control your breathing is key to learning how to relax your body, which will help you to uh, moderate your panic thinking. Yeah, it moderates your brain. Yeah, and the thing is that if you start from the wrong end and say, I've got to control my brain, Uh uh-uh. You, no way, you're not, right? not likely to get there. So start with your body, work through breathing, uh, relaxation, and then say, okay, uh, question yourself. What am I afraid of? Why am I panicking? And then... What's the evidence for What's the evidence? And uh, is, it, is it real? Obviously, if you see the headlight of an oncoming train, you step off the tracks. But if the train is only metaphorical and you're thinking, gee whiz, uh, that's not real, then maybe you can say, okay, and I can, I can calm down and breathe and it will, it will be well. Yeah. And if you start with the calm down, all will be well, as you pointed out. It often doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and we've looked at this before in other podcasts, that it's uh, that anxiety is a bodily function. It's not just a brain function. Yeah. And, and Your body is bigger than your brain. Brain's three pounds. Your body's 160. And so if you can get your body controlled, then that big body will help the brain will to settle down. Will help the brain to not overspin. Um, you know, it's... You maybe uh, some people will understand the idea of a feedback loop. Uh, if you have a negative feedback loop, when things are starting to go wrong, um, you feed back and say uh, things always go wrong. You know, Why me? Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you have a positive feedback loop, you can say, okay, it's uh, it's not uh, death or. Uh, you know, heart attack, I'm not going to be found toes up on the bathroom floor. Uh, it's, it's fear of something. What am I fearing? Breathe, relax, and yeah. process. R- read your Seneca quote again, because it's often, I think, uh, what we do here, we often start with the, the uh, Stoics and end with the Stoics. So what does, uh, in your script here, what does Seneca have to say? Well, Seneca says that uh, we... We often suffer more in the imagination than in reality. Hmm. Okay. 
So, uh, and what would Seneca say about um, uh, being confronted with uh, fear and or, or anxiety? Probably well, say, uh, I think it's time for lunch. Yeah, um, you know, the, uh, diverting yourself, um, learning, uh, learning relaxing techniques, um, having a sauna, whatever will help you to mellow out uh, is the best way to start controlling your mind. Okay. Well, it's um, in our university studio, Ralph, it's about 100 degrees right now, so that's kind of like a sauna. <laughs> but I think it's time for us to go to Dog Central and have a, have a hot dog. What do you think? I think that would be just the ticket. Okay. So, until next week, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.